Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we examine the letter I and talk about headphone etiquette. We also write a new werewolf movie and saw the new YouTube Red Show. It's time for Categorize. All right, it's time for Categorize, and that's where we pick a category and give you five of our favorite movies that associate with that category. And what we've been doing is the alphabet. So we are at the letter I. I'm going to give you my top five movies that start with the letter I. These are our favorites, our personals. Not the best in the world, probably, but to us, they mean stuff. And then we're going to try and pick our favorites. Ivana. So my first one is a superhero movie. Um, Some would say the beginning of the world of superhero movies coming out every two minutes right now. Um, And that is Iron Man. Oh, I have Iron Man on mine too. You do. Amazing. Okay, so why, why is it on yours? Well, Iron Man was an interesting movie because I was living with Mark, our mutual buddy who introduced us. That's correct. That is correct. That is correct. (laughs) Um, And I'm living with Mark and we're like, do we want to go see Iron Man? We're like, "Uh, I guess. And we went to the theater going, how are they going to make this interesting for us? And we were both blown away by how good this film was. I didn't have huge expectations for it either. I I sort of was just like, yes, I want to see this movie. I like Robert Downey Jr. I believe that in and around Iron Man is when Charlie Bartlett came out, and I love that movie. That movie kind of solidified your Robert Downey Jr. love even before Iron Man really, really like finished the job. Because he did an, a fantastic job in that movie. He really carried it with his charisma. Not only that, I thought the storyline was great. It exceeded my expectations from, you know what the storyline of a high effect blockbuster can be. And I just, I really like that movie. And I think it's one of the better I movies in existence. I mean, obviously you watch it again now, it still holds up in certain areas. Um, But you can see the formula that Marvel built off of this film. And we see that in all of our hero movies really to this day. 2008 was a really interesting time for superhero movies because it gave us Iron Man, but it also gave us a Dark Knight. And I think for both DC and Marvel, those were the movies that influenced what was going to happen going forward. Yes. Obviously, The Dark Knight showed a gritty, realistic way of sh- portraying a superhero. And they ran with that up to up to Wonder Woman, that all their movies were going to be gritty and real and, uh, you know, dark in tone. Yeah. Um, But also both of those films are like kind of the best we're going to see maybe ever. I mean, I don't know. There's been some great Marvel movies that maybe exceeded Iron Man. I'd have to rewatch it and think about that. But definitely Dark Knight, I think. I haven't seen a better DC Batman movie. Well, this is sort of in line with what we've been talking about. And it's another Iron movie. And it's on my list, and it's The Iron Giant. Ooh. I haven't seen Iron Giant, and I know I should. You haven't seen The Iron Giant. No, but here's the thing. You're going to cry. cry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you know how much I hate crying in movies, and 
I feel like my heart is going to break in a million pieces and I just, I can't bring myself to do that. Well, I was going to tie it in with the superhero angle of the film, but I'm not going to mention it now because when you see it and you start crying, you'll understand. But the Iron Giant is this really, really great animated film. I always end up going back to it. It's about this boy. He lives in this town with his single mom and he finds this giant robot and they become friends like even just the concept i know he's gonna die at the end he's gonna sacrifice himself Ugh. it, it like I, I feel like i could start crying right now i haven't even seen the movie and he really needs it at that holy shit big hero six is the iron fucking giant i know but more heartfelt big hero six is like funnier iron giant well, there is some funny scenes in the Iron Giant too, but it's much more heartwarming. Like, well, yeah. it's not, they're both so big hero six is the Iron Giant. I love that you actually had this revelation while we're recording. I'm this sorry. Podcast. That's amazing. I'm sorry. No, I, I think just, I that's the whole point of podcasting, it. right? Like if you can be blown away by revelations about movies, that is why we talk about movies every week. Okay, so um, obviously you're going to watch The Iron Giant tonight because I've just had this revelation and Big Hero 6 is one of your favorite movies. Which I also cry in incessantly. Yeah, I know. That that movie was one of my favorite <laughs> movies that we ever saw together because Ivana would cry and then she'd laugh and then she'd laugh and then really sob. And yes, because just... sometimes laughing made me remember and then I would start to cry again. Oh my gosh, it was great. It was great. All right, give me another iMovie. Let's get off this sob train. <laughs> um, my next iMovie is A Darker Path and it is Insidious. Ooh, Insidious. Okay, that movie is a fantastic demon movie. Here's the thing. Insidious was the first of the horror films to start elevating the genre and to start saying that just because you're a horror film, you don't have to be silly and all about blood. You can actually be about families and real emotions and real actors, like really good, solid performances. And another thing that I really, like, really loved about this movie is it really tried to be realistic in the reactions of everyone, right? Hey, so, our house is haunted. You know what we should do? Get the hell out of this house. Exactly. It was, I think, maybe one of the first movies, at least that I've seen, that has done that. Th they decided, let's buy a new home. They buy a new home, and it's still going on. And and the desperation and the way that the relationships pan out, like the dad coming, like, coming home from work less and less because he's just doesn't want to deal with what's going on with his house. And then the mom feeling more and more trapped by everything. I don't know. I thought it was really great. I thought it was a great performance. And I think it was the beginning of what they're calling the golden age of horror. So I, I think that's movie? a great one. And you know what? Can we just stop for two seconds and say Rose Byrne is utterly amazing. I love Rose Byrne. She in this film pulls off a great performance. It's dramatic. She's afraid you believe her. And then she can pull off being a great comedic actress in Spy and Neighbors. And Bridesmaids. And Bridesmaids. I want to see her. I want, I want to see Rose Byrne one day win an Oscar. Me too. And you know, I think she can. She's definitely talented enough of an actor that I think she totally can. 
I think so. All right. So I'm going to go with one that I don't think you've seen, and it is Inherit the Wind. Ooh, I have not. I don't even think I've heard of that movie. Okay. So Inherit the Wind was this film that I watched in English class. We read the play. It was a play from like way back when. So it's Spencer Tracy and it's a 1960 film. Saw it in English class in high school and I was blown away. Now, the other kids in my class may not have been, but I was going through, I was the Catholic kid in Catholic school going through the, I don't know if God is here. I don't think this is right. Uh, We don't have to go on with, with how I felt later in life, but at that point I was not believing. And what Inherit the Wind is, is a real life story brought to film about a small town in the 20s or 30s who a school t- teacher is teaching Darwin in this town for the first time. And the cool. Bible thumpers lock him up for not teaching about God and creation. And he's like, but I'm just, I'm exploring this idea that Darwin has of evolution. and there's a whole court trial where he's in prison and people want to burn him for teaching their kids against the Bible. And it's a court case. And that like still kind of happened. Maybe not in court cases, but of course it does. Yeah. But there's like a hundred percent schools that do not want to teach Darwin's evolution. And this is still something that happens today. And it was this real court case They called it the monkey trial and I love it. And it's just this very witty war of words between these two great older actors yeah, and the ignorance of the people in this town. I loved it. I I watched it like a couple weeks ago, even it's fantastic. Um, It holds up really, really well. And if you're ever on the fence of like, oh, my God, you know, we have Donald Trump in office, watch this film. There has always been kind of crazy like this going on. Inherit the wind. Inherit the wind. That sound. Now, see, I don't know. I feel like that sounds like a movie I might watch this evening. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fair. That's totally fair. And you you should watch that movie as well. That sounds awesome. Okay, Uh, I feel like my next one, I'm going to lighten it up a little bit. And it is the movie In and Out. Oh, Kevin Klein. I love you so much, Kevin Klein. If you hear this, if you listen to this podcast, just know, Kevin Klein, the moment in Orange County where you were the author, I gasped in theaters and everyone looked at me stupid. <laughs> um. So it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, but I have seen it numerous times and I just think it's delightful. Um, Kevin Klein is really great. The movie is obviously um, supportive of people who have different types of sexual preferences. And in, in the movie also is supportive of the idea that you don't always have everything figured out. And actually, I was recently speaking with a friend of mine who only in her adult life came to terms with the fact that she was bisexual. She kind of didn't have it be an option for her um, 
And so literally, it was only after she finished school, she finished everything, that she came to terms with this to be able to say that, yes, I am this way and there's nothing wrong with that. And I thought that was a really beautiful thing. And it made me think of this movie because that's kind of what it's all about, right? Like a, a man who has no idea who he really is and it's his journey of getting there. And I think that that's great. I'm, you know, a little worried about watching it again. <laughs> there are some things where where people are very, very, it's a very small town. It's a very, like, tight community, very gossipy community. And people do say some pretty pretty awful things here and there about being gay. Yeah. I mean, he loses his job because he's gay. Back in the day when I was young, I used to use the R word as an example. Um, and I don't anymore. And I've learned that that is offensive and, and I shouldn't do that. And it's bad. And I'm somewhat worried that this delightful movie that gives me so many smiles when I think about it, you know, is it going to be a little bit 90s? <laughs> It is definitely a little bit 90s. I will just put it out there. It It is absolutely yeah. a little bit 90s. But, I, you know, I think the heart is there. And I think that Kevin Klein is amazing. And so that's why it's on my list. It's a wonderful story. And it's directed by Frank Oz. And Frank Oz is really well known for making these kind of whimsical tales. And it's, you know, it is very light. The scene where Kevin Klein is dancing People need to give that scene way more credit because it is so funny where <laughs> the whole point is him not to dance while listening to this audio tape. And the whole time he's dancing, the audio tape is yelling at him, look at you, you sissy, stop it. No, don't dance. Don't shake your body like that. What are you doing? And then when he's done, <laughs> it's like, so how'd you do, sissy man? And I just, <laughs> I lose it because... Kevin Klein's so disappointed in himself, but also he wasn't disappointed. How could you be disappointed? Yeah, he had fun and he danced. <laughs> exactly. Dance like nobody's watching, guys. The next one on my list is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Now, this is not my favorite of this series, but my favorite of the series is actually Raiders of the Lost Ark, not what it later was titled Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I did not go with Raiders of the Lost Ark because I, I'm a little purist. I Right. So that's that would count as an R title. That's right. But yeah. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is a hundred percent that Indiana Jones was there first. So yes. I am I am putting it in the running because man, that was that's in my opinion the second best of the series. And it is so close. Some days it's neck and neck. Mm-hmm. You got Sean Connery in there as Harrison Ford's dad. Um, you've got so many great one-liners. It is Spielberg just having a blast with all of the practical effects that he creates. Yeah. And, I, you know, there's that great scene with the rats. There is the awesome scene. I, I can't remember. I think it's Jordan is where that end scene is filmed. Like there's an exterior shot. I'm sure they didn't actually go into the caves. I think they're you're not allowed, but it's um, it's an actual place. I can't remember where it is, um, but we also get that that iconic Indiana Jones shot where he runs through the the tunnel, and yeah. he's all in silhouette and that score. God, guys, you're listening to me gush about this movie, but you know this movie's amazing. 
it's funny, I, I've seen parts of some Indiana Jones films, but, and I've only seen really one Indiana Jones film, and it's a little bit embarrassing. Like from beginning Kingdom to end. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Yeah, I saw it in theaters. And, but I What did you seen... think? That would have been your first like Indiana Jones experience period. It what was. was that like? I didn't hate it nearly as much as everyone else did. I thought, you know, the ending was kind of like, okay, this is a little weird, but movies often lose me at the end. It's very, very difficult to land a film in the end. Exactly. And so, and I will still like a movie, even if I didn't like the ending often, unless I felt like the ending, like sometimes I can forgive it. Sometimes I cannot. And this movie, I kind of forgave it. I thought it was a fun romp. I really liked the ant scene. This was, uh, I forget the actor's name, but he had just finished even Stevens in Disturbia. Shia LaBeouf. That's it. And this was before he was like, everyone hated him. This was when everyone thought he was going to be the next big star. I really liked Even Stevens. I watched that show a lot. And I really liked Disturbia. I thought it was a really (laughs) fun movie. So I think I went in really optimistically. And I didn't have any preconceived notions of what Indiana Jones should be. So I didn't hate it. I thought it was fun. All right. What is uh, next on your list? Next on my list is... It follows. Oh, that was a great, that, this is another great horror movie. What I loved about this movie, I think the most, is that I love the pacing. It was really slow. It felt like an indie film that was looking for big awards, but the subject matter was kind of ridiculous and horror film-like. And, and then on top of it, it took this concept of a morality tale, like don't have sex, young girls, and use that to spin the narrative of the story. But at the same time, I think the film was saying, no, no, you can have sex. And it's ridiculous that movies tell you that you shouldn't have sex. And one of the things that was really interesting about that movie was the chain letter aspect of it. So for sure, if the it, if she had gone and had sex with somebody else. Yeah. And that person did not have sex with somebody else. Then they die. The it would kill that person and then come to the next person on the list, which will be her again. Yes. So there's like a long chain letter of who did what. And it's just always going after that person, which is so scary to me (laughs) (laughs) because what if you were extra promiscuous and the next person after you wasn't, And you didn't realize, like, you were three down the row. And then all of a sudden this thing showed up and you're like, what the hell is this? Well, that's when you have to quickly have sex with someone again. It was so good. Great movie. Good good choice. What about you? What's your next one? My next and last one is Indian Summer. And I don't think this one's going to get, like, the top of my list. Um, But it's, it's a movie that I saw when I was younger and then... I saw with Becky because Becky was like the only other person who ever had seen it. It was like, I love that movie. And now it's one of our movies and we watch it all the time. And it's basically. Is it with Alan Arkin? Yeah. It's the big chill at summer camp. It's, it's cheesy, but it's full of heart. I love Mm -hmm. all the characters in it. They talk about how roots was discovered at this camp, like the, the fashion label. And. Oh, really? Yep. 
And, is it a Canadian movie? Well, it's shot in Canada, and the the camp was. It's about a true camp that all these people is Canadian. Yeah, all these people actually went to that camp, uh, including wow. Sam Raimi, who is in the movie as the bumbling like handyman, but also pr- helped produce it because he was like, my childhood at this camp was was vital, and I was wow. I was so glad for this Canadian camp that I could like leave Michigan to come and come to and uh, spend my summers. That's so cool. Yeah. So it's, it's a really, really cool story. Um, and it's very big chill, but at summer camp, which I love summer camp. So that's another reason. Nice. Um, all right. My, my last one is not my usual type of story. Um, it is imitation game. Oh, yes. I loved, loved, loved Imitation Game. Um, it, it surprised me. I I saw it in theaters and um, I saw it because Blake wanted to see it. And I knew it was set in World War II. And I thought, oh boy, a war movie. We all know how much I don't like those. But it's <laughs> and, not uh, Dunkirk. No, it's not. It's not even. I don't know that I would consider it in the genre of war movie. It's just set during wartime, and um, and I I just it blew me away. I think I had such low expectations. I really do love computers, so watching the theoretical birth of the very first computer um, was pretty exciting. I really loved the story of the friendship between um, Kara Knightley and, oh shoot, what's the main guy's name? Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes, that's it. Benedict Cumberbatch. And I, I mean, the, Doctor Strange. And I also really like Doctor Strange. I just want to mention of all those I think Marvel you might movies. just really like Be- Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean, he is very talented. But I think he just like I think he has the taste he chooses movies. He has a similar taste to to my movie ta- preference taste. So I like the movie season. You know, when I asked that, Ivana lit up a little bit. She had like, like a little light in her face or something. I think, I think she has a little crush on the Cumberbatch. No. Zero. <laughs> Maybe you're a Cumberhead or whatever He's- they're called. He's too like normal looking and like I don't know. No, oh, that's right. He's not. He's not Jason Siegel dad bodish. Yeah, like it's well. No, it doesn't even matter what kind of bod. He just doesn't seem very funny. He seems like a very uh, serious person who perhaps has similar taste in movies to me, but he doesn't seem like he'd be fun to hang out with. Well, I really like the imitation game. I think that's a good choice because, you know, here was a man who could not live the life he wanted to live because he yes. ha- he was hiding something. And I think they did a really good job of showing you the small pieces of that while showing you the larger story of how they built this machine that yeah. was going to help them win the war. You know, accepting people regardless of their sexual orientation and that some of and and that it sh- it doesn't matter and that anyone can create greatness. Here here. Female, gay male, doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know. Those female gay males are uh they're a quandary. 
<laughs> so now what we do is we decide which of these movies that we've talked about are our favorite of all of them. And I am going to start us off because I know right away it is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. As soon as I brought it up, I was like, you know what? This brings so much joy into my life. I don't know if it's the nostalgia of it, but it's something I can put on. It's something I'll be really happy to share with my nieces and nephews. And I know I'm going to live a lifelong, long life, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, loving this movie. I am going to pick Imitation Game. I, I think out of all the movies that I have sort of mentioned, they're all really great. But Imitation Game to me is cinematic gold, and that is absolutely my pick for this time around. I love it. That's a great pick. All right, everyone. I don't know if you've noticed or if how this works out in the end, if I sound very weird and different, but normally I record from a very nice and very profesh Rode mic and... Uh, or, or I guess if we're in person, a blue mic, but either which way. Um, she lost I, all her equipment, guys. I didn't lose it. I left it in Toronto. She and, left it in a whole other country. And so I, we've now resorted to, I'm literally recording on my Apple ear pods into the computer. So if it sounds bad, it's temporary. I apologize. You know, the show must go on. She left it in another country. How it, irresponsible can you be? <laughs> How irresponsible of me. I, in my defense, the mic was very clearly packed up and like right on a shelf, right at the door, like at the front of the door. And I didn't want to like put it into a bag so it would get smushed and broken. And so I was like waiting for the last minute because I also didn't want to have it in my car overnight to put it into my final bag as I was going out the door and then I just forgot it. I don't know about you listeners. I can't forgive her. These excuses. <laughs> well, you're going to make it sound really great in post, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jay. That's why he's so angry. That's why he can't forgive me. He knows how much more work it's going to be now for him. <laughs> You're plugged in. Mind your manners. This is Tech Ticket. I love that British lady. <laughs> so she... Tech Ticket. Oh, no, go, go. No, you go. No, you go. You go. No, you go. So Tech Ticket is this really fun one where we take an electronic or a piece of tech and we kind of dissect the rules of how to use it in everyday life. And this time we want to talk about headphones. We're talking about earbuds. We're talking about cans. We're talking about the big over the ear. You use them as your earmuffs, but also noise canceling out the world headphones. So let's start with the big over the ear headphones. Um, they're obviously really great. They're noise canceling. You get the best quality sound from them. But when the heck is it appropriate to walk around with those big honkers on? You look super unapproachable, so I think the best time to wear them is when you're traveling. Interesting. Whereas I don't like them for traveling because 
I find because of the whole noise canceling thing, you kind of need to be able to hear what's going on around you. Oh, I disagree. When I am on a subway or a train, there is nothing I need to hear. All I want to hear is the sound of my podcast or the sound of not my podcast. I listen to other people's podcasts. I'm not like, I got to put on more of the movies all the time when I'm traveling. But you also do listen to more than movies. I do every once in a while pop it on to make sure that the sound quality is good. Um, But ultimately I, I use a big pair of over the ear Bose headphones every single day. If you are on a subway, you need to be hearing, you know, the announcements. You need to be hearing if someone says, excuse me, or needs you to get up so that they can do their thing. And so I think that the most appropriate time to wear over-the-ear headphones is at home when you're hanging out. Okay, well, what kind of headphones should I wear at the office then? I think earbuds are for the office. And, you know, I looked into a few articles in prep for this, and a lot of people are saying no headphones in the office, which I completely disagree with. How? How would you get anything done? How, yeah, exactly. How would you get anything done? And furthermore, with distributed offices everywhere, having a pair of good earbuds type like um, headphones with a mic in them is key because then you can hop on a call, you can like interface with people, you can listen to things while you're working and you don't get distracted by those around you. Totally. That is like the essential reason to have headphones at the office. So you say earbuds. I do too. I actually have a pair of earbuds for the office. I work in a shared office. So if I'm sitting in a space and people are rustling about and busy and talking to one another, I need to zone them out so I can concentrate on what I'm doing because what I am doing is so important that I cannot hear anything. It's not really that important. But you still need to focus and you need to be able to make a way for you to focus. I'm glad we're on the same page on that one. All right. um, What about like Bluetooth headphones? Bluetooth earbuds are the perfect thing to use when you are going to the gym. Oh, you're right. Because you don't want to have any wires Mm -hmm. because... You know, you look silly if you like get it all tangled up and like they pop out of your head if you're running or whatever. Also, say you have a communal pair of big over the ears for home. You don't want to get that all sweaty for the next person to wear those earphones. That would be just as rude. But a good pair of your own Bluetooth earbuds for your gym purposes I think it's the best. I like that idea. I think the gym for Bluetooth headphones is key. If you have your own though, I would, I, I think my personal preference would be the nice Bluetooth, like the over the ear ones. Cause I don't okay. think I, I want, I don't want to talk to people at the gym. I don't want people to approach me. And if they're leather, then I feel like that works better with sweat. <laughs> I feel like we could do a whole etiquette episode on what not to do with the gym. And the first thing is to go and talk to people at the gym. Yeah. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Although sometimes they really do. Like I had this gym that I belonged to in Toronto and literally people would just constantly talk to me. Like, you see, this is why I have an exercise bike at home. Yeah. 
as a rowing machine, but I like the classes. I like the classes associated with gyms. So, Hey, all right. What about the, what about the, the, we're going to get into risky territory here. Taking your earphones into the bathroom with you, either work or home. I don't really understand why people think that's a bad thing because I think it's a great idea. It means you're hands-free and it means that you're entertained for the time that you're in the bathroom. Now, I don't think you should do calls from the bathroom. That's not cool. <laughs> I agree. I hate when I hear somebody making a phone call or getting a phone call and they're in like two stalls next to me. And to me, I'm like, why? And that's when I really, really want earphones in the bathroom because it will drown that out. And I don't know. I just think earphones in the bathroom means you're a hands-free experience. Like it's, you're less likely to play on your phone if you're listening to something on your phone. Bonus points if it's Bluetooth, I think. You know what I think it is with earphones? Like when you go into an office bathroom with a book or a magazine or Something like that. Yeah, that's people, like frowned upon in general. People know you're, what you're going to do. It's like advertising what's about to happen. Yeah. But screw it, man. I don't care. But what do you think? You think earphones also advertise that? I do. That's what I think. I think all three of those things are advertising oh, that you're going to be in there for a while. Even, even if I'm there for a number one. Like if I'm listening to something, especially if it's like a podcast or a book, hey, if I can listen for three minutes, then I've listened for three minutes. If I listen for 10 minutes, I've listened for 10 minutes. You know what? What if you're? What if it's a self-help book? What if it's a book that you're trying desperately to get through because you got a meeting tomorrow and this is going to totally help you in that meeting? Exactly. You got to take the time you have. Guys, you got to take the time you have. You heard it from Ivana. <laughs> um, all right. What about like when you're with friends? Is it okay to have earbuds in your ears? Or no, earbuds? no. It's rude. It's it's showing your friends that there's something more important than them. I might walk around with earphones, but if when I see someone, I take them out of my like head. Like even Absolutely. if I'm not doing anything, I take them off. I just realized this in this moment. This is the second realization in this podcast. Wow. Podcast of revelations. That when it's wintertime, I have my over-ear headphones on, turned off, but I have them on over my head while walking with people because they're keeping my ears warm. Do you do the thing though? Because here's the thing. I think you can wear, for example, over-the-ear headphones when traveling if you slip them so they're like exposing the part of your ear that hears. I usually will take one off and, and put it behind my ear. So I'll have one on, one off. Like that's the same to me. If you have that kind of scenario going on with your over the phone, over the ear earphones, that works to say that I'm available to listen. All right. So there you go. That is the law of the tech ticket land with Ivana and Jay. And now you know where it is right and wrong to wear those headphones. And feel free to reach out to us via any social media platform or even email to let us know what you'd like us to cover in this segment. Because we will tell you the etiquette of anything tech. That's right. And if you have a differing opinion, you can also send that to us. Because we don't mind. Also, we're just like two people who just like to tell people what to do. <laughs> She's not wrong. 
This is Top Drawer TV. I'm so excited. This week we watched a very cool and interesting television series. And I, I think it still counts as a television series. You know why? Because I watched it on my television. Uh, even though it's a TV series brought to us by YouTube Red. Um, and the first two episodes are available for free for anyone who doesn't have it. So check that out on YouTube. Uh, and the show is called Ryan Hansen Solves Crimes on Television. It's a comedy. It's super meta. And uh, Jay, what did you think? Because I asked you earlier and you refused to even, you like literally were like, I'm not talking about this. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't want to tell you what I thought about it because I wanted to like, I knew you really badly wanted to talk about it. So I don't know if I'm even going to participate in this segment. What? No, I'm sorry. We are doing a podcast together, and the segment is Let's Talk About Ryan Hansen Solves Crimes on Television. So let's us podcast about our podcast, talking about this show <laughs> together, solving All right. the show. Well, I, I thought Ryan Hansen Solves Crimes on Television was a blast. Like, I don't know about you, but like, it, it really surpassed even those expectations or met them. I don't know. The show's amazing. Is my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, it's very meta, which I really loved. I love the fact that they kept coming back to, he's uh, <laughs> like, oh, it's on YouTube Red. Is this porn? No, yes. no, not not RedTube or YouPorn. I mean, I guess somebody should have should have thought about that. No, no, no. It's it's a subscription service. They're like, like <laughs> Netflix. Yeah. Or like, it's exactly like YouTube, but you pay for it. <laughs> like, Why would someone like, do that? Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, who in their right mind would do this? And so Ryan Hansen, if you – you'll recognize him immediately when you start watching it. But if you can't visualize who that guy is, he's from Veronica Mars. He played Dick in Veronica Mars. And he is playing himself. I am an actor in Hollywood trying to get jobs and, and – there's this thing where celebrities are now <laughs> teamed up with police officers to help them get into places that they may not be able to get into in Hollywood. So he literally walks onto a crime scene and tells this detective that he's his new, he is her new partner. And immediately I fall in love with this partner with Samira Wiley, who is so not having this at all. It's like, yeah, what, I, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, so what do we have here? And he like gets on all CSIE. And she's like, a dead body? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like so matter of fact. I'm, I'm less charmed by her, I have to say. She's grown on me the more episodes I've seen with her. Especially the one where Ryan Hansen is replaced by, oh my gosh, who was it that replaces him? I don't know. I only saw the one episode like I was told to watch. Oh no, I've seen every episode of this show that has come <laughs> out. Yeah, he's really, I really, I think one of the things that I like the most about him is how much he is enthusiastic. He's super enthusiastic. Like he's honestly so stoked to have his own TV show. Like, and he's clearly been an actor, but like nobody knows who he is and he has no recognition. Actually, I think one of my favorite parts in that first episode was, um, 
There is an actor who is on a procedural that I don't watch. And um, the two of them see each other on a pool. And like Eric they get Christian Olsen. Yes. He's Eric... awesome. Cause he was oh. in like fired up and not another team movie. He's a bad guy and not another team movie. Nice. Yes. And he is a bad guy and Ryan Hansen saves the world. And he basically like, they're like two actors that have often gone up against one another for parts for a while. And that other guy made it and onto NCIS and Ryan Hansen didn't. <laughs> Is that a real thing? Like, do you have actresses that are up for the same roles as you are often? And then all of a sudden, like, you always see each other and you're nice when you see each other, sort of. But really, you're like, I hope you don't get it. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Totally. I, I don't think I have one at the moment that is a nemesis. Like, in the corporate world, I have people who I'm like, oh, I got to work with that guy. I don't love that guy. But I don't have a nemesis in the corporate world. It's not like if I left a company to go to another company, I'd be worried about another person coming up on that because it's it's like 10 years of my life or five years of my life in a company versus, you know, this is going to sustain me for six months and then I'm going to have to come back. Yeah, I think that's part of it is like when you're auditioning against the same person all the time, that's what happens. That's where these things come from, right? Like you're, you sit there and you're like you again. And sometimes, you know, it's even people that you don't really know that well. And it's just seeing them in that room and being like, ugh, well, the two of us are always getting called in for these parts and it's me against you and I hate it. Like So the th- you kind of mentioned it. The thing you didn't like about this was um, – you warm to her later with Samira Wiley as Jessica Mathers. I'm kind of sick of like the straight female in the cop show. So it's nothing against the actor. Like, I think she's great. I think she does a good job of what she's doing, but like, I'm so sick of that character. I'm so sick of the no nonsense female who is all about solving crimes. And that's what I'm pissed off at. And like, I kind of get why they chose to go that way with this, but she just feels like she has, especially in the pilot has no personality. She's just, she's just angry at him the whole time. I would argue that this show is about the cliche show. And so they're following all the tropes of that show because CIS does it and, or CSI, not CIS. What the hell is that? C S I and law and order. And my God in the pilot when he's like, Oh, that was really good. We should like do a, like a law and order, like do do or something there or, uh, or, and then they just cut and they're like, do do. Yeah. I love that. Part. Like, and then the ending, which I really liked was all of a sudden it was this sitcom format for a second. And they're like, ah, oh, we're still doing a pilot. We're just testing things out. <laughs> Ah, I'm so angry you didn't see the second episode. The second episode is available for free on YouTube too. What is wrong with this that we can't talk about it? Overall, love this show. Um, It sounds like you hated it. It sounds like you just hate the show. There's some jokes that are coming up that I don't want to talk about because the Well, you're not supposed to talk about it because you were supposed to only watch the pilot. You always go ahead. I always go ahead. I just want to let everyone watching. There's a joke. Every episode, like, don't tell us 
we'll go ahead and we'll find it ourselves. And it's so worth it. It's so worth it. It's like one of the best jokes, I think, that I've ever seen on a television show that's like running as a gag of all time. I know you guys can't see this, but in Pittsburgh, Ivana's face just came so close to the camera because she was so serious. And she was like, I'm so, like, you're just, you're gonna... She's very passionate about Ryan Hansen solving crimes on the television. On television. But actually on the internet. <laughs> All right. So what do you give it? What do you give this show out of five? Four. So do I. Four stars all around, but definitely recommend checking out Ryan Hansen solves crimes on television. Wait, before we go, before we finish the segment, I have one final thing I need to talk about. What the fuck is happening? That was so beautiful. Is, it was a beautiful way to end the segment. Maybe, but the burning question and the thing that I was really excited to talk about is this. One of the things that I think I love the most about the show is that I don't really get it. I can't place it. Like it is so self-referential that it becomes like circular in its self-references and then it doesn't actually live in any reality. So, okay, here's my example. We have The Office, which is a scripted series that pretends to be a documentary series. And so you have this comedy series that's a documentary series and you can break the fourth wall within the reality of these characters because they know there's a camera filming them. What is this show? Like, in the show, what's the show? Because it's like... Ryan Hansen knows that this is a television show that he's filming, but then he's also actually solving crimes. What's the reality of the place that this show lives in? Because I can't make sense of it, and I almost like that about it the most. We had a perfect out of this segment. And then you threw this into the batch. I haven't given it this much thought at all. I just enjoyed my time. I'm glad that you're busy trying to figure this out. Once you do, please let us know. You haven't had, you don't have any thoughts about this? I don't. I genuinely, like I want, you know me, I always want to contribute. I always want to keep it going. But I got nothing right now. Like everything that you said, yeah, all that makes sense. I get that. And it's so meta that it does come around itself. Yeah. But. I think that's just what the show is. Yeah, like and that's I think, okay. I think it is the show is trying to like confuse you. Like it doesn't. It's not a reality. No, TV I don't show think it's trying to confuse you. I think it just wants to do some wacky shit. Like Angie Tribeca is crazy, ridiculous, awesome, fun. Like Airplane, and it's just like we're just gonna do anything. And I think this is this type of comedy for today where anything means breaking the fourth wall or it means like it doesn't matter that we're in a television series or, you know, that there's a documentary film because you're, oh, now you've got me in my head because of course it makes sense because they would have, when he's solving the crime, how come the perp doesn't see that there's a cameraman there filming the thing? I get it. Yes. I get it. Yes. Now you're in my head. Ugh. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. 
wrong. I think. Okay, now the show, the show is terrible. No, I think it makes the show. Don't watch the show. Better. I, I think it, it really does that it doesn't live in any reality and it just, you're right. Like, I think the show's just trying to have fun. But I think on purpose, they're tr- being so meta, it's becoming too meta to be proper meta. Like, I think it's just complete farce. And if you like the meta-ness of like certain Hollywood things, you're going to love it. Agreed. And that's the out, right? That's the out. Yeah, that's the out. That's the out. And out. See what I did there? I love it. I loved how you did it full circle. You see how I made it meta in our podcast? You did. (laughs) Pitch a flick. It has been so long since we've done this segment. And uh, so we're getting ready to get right into it. Pitch a Flick is a really fun segment where both Jay and I pitch a flick to each other. Then we need to work together to create a hybrid movie. This is good old creative fun, and we're all talking uh, elevator pitches and all that fun. So uh, this week we decided that we'd check out werewolf movies because it's been a while since werewolves have really been in the forefront of anything. And so we each made our own individual werewolf movies. We have an answer format. We'll go through it. You don't need to know it that much. You'll get the picture. You're smart. Um, and then we got to mash it up and create a joint picture. All right. Are you ready, Jay? I am so ready for this. I've got like a very interesting one. Um, nice. Who goes first? Whoever. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I can go first. Sure. Okay. Okay. So I have chosen yet another animated romp. Nice. Animated. Okay. So the Houndersons are not like the other werewolves in town. They're not even werewolves so much as were dogs. Larry Hounderson, voiced by Jeff Daniels, is a basset hound. (laughs) <laughs> Marcia Hounderson, voiced by Leah Thompson, is a golden retriever. And only child teenager Jimmy Hounderson, voiced by Zach Efron, is a ridiculous hybrid mix of the two. Long droopy ears, a strange snout, a muddy blonde coat with a big fluffy tail. And this family is the laughing stock of Lycantopolis, the small village where they live. But when a refugee vampire family moves in after being persecuted in their homeland of Transylvania, the tables turn. And while Larry and Marcia are quick to join ranks with the mob of wolves who won't involve the family, Jimmy is conflicted when he gets a crush on the vampire family's oldest daughter, Priscilla Vlodbank, voiced by Demi Lovato. I want the film to be helmed by Barry Sonnenfeld, who did Get Shorty, Men in Black, The Addams Family. And recently he did a really shitty film with Kevin Spacey that was so terrible that I did not see it. But critics hate him right now for doing it. And I want to get the stink off of him. So I'm saying do this. You've also never done a real animated movie like this before. So I'd like to see him try to tackle something like this. And the film is like animated, but it's a dramedy and it's called 
Release the Hounds. Oh, great title. Release the Hounds. Uh, what is yours? So I love this movie. I would see it. I'm, I don't know how we're going to mash these up, but uh, let's give it a go. So my movie is a psychological horror film. It is directed by David Cronenberg, um, who wow. did The Fly. And Love it. I'm particularly choosing him because I want the gruesome practical effects look of The Fly. Um, so we have a story of a brother and a sister who are only 10 months apart in age going from a small town living to their first experience in a university. The brother is played by Justice Smith, who was in Paper Towns. The sister is Kiersey Clemens. Um, she was the quick-witted lesbian in Dope. So, oh, yeah, I remember her. Yeah, so once they get to college, they are and they are ultimately befriended by a group of city-dwelling party kids. And... They're really loving this new life. And in fact, um, Justice Smith finds himself falling in love with one of these uh, people. And Kiersey Clem Clemens um, starts to become really BFFs with sort of the like most popular girl in their party group. Um, the most popular girl, the Queen Bee, is played by Bella Thorne. And the uh, brother's crush, who's more like a silent member of this party group, is played by Rami Malek, who... Oh, my God. I, I think he can age down. It's not a big deal. Just to get Rami Malek in your movie. He's so good. Anyway, so they befriend these kids. They have this crazy party night. They get blackout drunk. And then they wake up in the morning and that's when strange things start happening all throughout the rest of the movie. Animal carcasses are being left in the halls of their dorm rooms. People are being assaulted and injured at night. The atmosphere at this college really gets dark fast. And worst of all, Mikkel, the brother, begins to notice that his sister is falling into a passionate and sexual relationship with many different dudes, and she's waking up covered in dirt, disappearing for hours at night. Is there a connection? What happened that night that they both blacked out? The title is Full Moon. Oh! Oh, man. I feel like we have two very different movies uh I don't know how we're going to put these two together. So I can I can bend on the being animated because I like the idea of using your director oh. for practical effects. Okay. So, I mean, if we use my storyline at all. I love your storyline, actually. I think your storyline's a lot of fun. Um, then I think by using your director, it might come out kind of, Edward Scissorhands, Tim Burton-esque? Yeah. And that might be... I, that I might like be that. a lot of fun. I I would... I think we can do maybe a mashup of, of cast in some ways. Because I really... I will say that I really like Justice Smith and Kiersey Clemens. And I... Okay. Wondering I have no problem. They can be the vampires. I just want to defend my plot for a second. The... 
vampire refugee family has been processed. I didn't put it in here, but they've been persecuted by a mob of people. Like, by town people with forks and pitchforks. And they've, like, come here as refugees to this town. Very much like a Syrian refugee family. Yeah. You know, like, I wanted really, really badly to put that in context and have a story about xenophobia. That it, that comes out very clearly. Like, even in your elevator pitch, it came out, the whole context behind it. And, and then, you're right, like, cr- getting rid of the animation, adding David Cronenberg, playing a little bit with the cast, because you're right, like, the way that you've cast it, It'll be tough because now everybody's all different ages when it's not animated. Yeah, that's a little tricky, but that's okay. I, I kind of don't see Zach Efron sticking around in the world of Cronenberg. So that could be Rami Malik. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I still really want to see Leah Thompson in this weird kooky world that we're creating. So I think she's going to stay as the mom. Yeah, I yeah. think she can totally stay his mom. Um, and I I love your storyline, actually. I think that it'll be, it can be really fun. It can, it, we can add a dark comedy element to it and really make, you know, xenophobia, like really put it on trial and make people kind of be aware that they need to be more compassionate. I think that's a great idea. I just so- realized that I kind of made a werewolf vampire Fido. You did. You kind of did. Like, like that's kind of what I just made. All these realizations. It works. And I like the title. I like Release the Hounds. I think that is very smart. So I highly recommend we go with your title, your plot, my cast. Your director and your cast. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, And I think we make it a little darker than it is. Yes. Yeah, we go for a real dark biting comedy. I think Hollywood, are you not, are you not seeing this? <laughs> I mean, it's possible that we might see it on screen any day now. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. And please be sure to tune in again next week when we will be back with an all new episode. If you'd like to support the show, we'd really appreciate it. All you have to do is hop onto iTunes and leave us a five star review or any other podcast service that has that function, please let us know what you think of the show. Uh, Give us as much stars as possible. Or, you know, be honest. Like, you can give us a three-star review if you think this is a three-star show. (laughs) Bensound.com is our intro song source, and we encourage you to check out our show notes for more information about our music, our talented voice actors, and sound effects. And you know what else? We really want to hear from you. Reach out to us. Don't be a stranger. You can reach us on our website, morethanmovies.net. On Facebook at More Than Movies Podcast. You can email us, hello at morethanmovies.net. Or catch us on Twitter. I'm at It's Ivana. I'm at Jester J. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back again next week with an all new episode. And until next time, friends. (laughs) Watch more. And do more. <laughs> oh.